Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. Our reading today is from the from St. Paul, his letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we, all, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For while, if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. Well, let's see here. I um, was looking through the devotional from the North American Lutheran Church. It's a daily devotional uh, that is produced. It's online, thenalc.org, if you have any interest in looking at it. And I was looking through it and found that one of the devotions this coming Wednesdays happened to be based on our text for the day. And... Since it's Daylight Savings Day, <laughs> and I wasn't preaching this week until yesterday morning when COVID hits uh, a family that preach, that who was going to preach, um, just so you got the word of God from me somehow, uh, I, I want to read this to you, what the devotion says. Because of Christ... We are at peace with God and peace with one another. Although the sharing of the peace in our Sunday morning worship can at times seem more like more of a holy howdy, the intent is to share with each other the same simple blessing Jesus gave his disciples the night of his resurrection, peace be with you. Nothing can replace this simple blessing, the peace of the Lord be with you. St. Paul affirms this blessing, blessed promise in today's passage. We are at peace with God through Jesus Christ. This is not an idle condition like a get-out-of-jail-free card to be secured and locked away until needed. 
Paul remarks that we will have daily struggles. And in this present life, because of the faith of our, this promise, as one church father said, tribulations are like those, like those prepared, like certain foods and exercises for athletes, which lead the contestant on to glory. Paul writes in Romans 3.11, no one is righteous, no, not one. God knows there are only sinners in this world, and you and I are in this group. We have no right or ability to approach an all-righteous and holy God. But Paul lays out the good news. But God showed his love for us that in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God looked at me and you and saw sinners, but by his grace and good pleasure, he reconciled the division between him and us with the blood of his son. Because of this tremendous sacrifice, we are at peace with God and can share this simple but powerful blessing. The peace of the Lord be with you. Nothing more powerful can be announced than having no sin, failings, nor temptations come between God and us, his people. They're all washed away with the blood of Jesus. Our passage today talks about peace and hope. And what is hope for us? It seems like today hope is, is kind of wishful thinking. Something that we can do but really isn't doing anything to help us in our situation. I think the best example I could think of was this, a scratcher. <laughs> Just think, I don't buy them often. I mean, I can't think, probably on one hand, I can count how many times I've, I've bought one of these things. But how many people put our, their hope in this? I've got money problems. I've got problems with my kids. I've got problems at work. All I have to do is buy one of these things and all my problems will be solved <clears throat> until next week. I'll tell you, I bought this thing and quite honestly, I've already got the money spent myself. So <laughs> let's see what we did. And this... You know, if I actually hit this thing, it's going to do two things. It's going to ruin the point of the sermon, and I'm going to have to take everybody to lunch. Oh, good. And the false hope we find in these. But isn't that the way that we do don't we find ourselves trying to just put our hope and our, in things like this that we can just sort of think, okay, it's taken care of. I don't have to think about it. I can just put it aside until some other time. That's what I think hope is for a lot of people. It is having to just try to come up with something that we, gets our mind off of it. 
but really doesn't address the problem. And that's really not hope. That's, like I said, wishful thinking, false hope. The other thing we see here is peace. And what is peace? Is it no longer fighting with your family or at work or with friends or neighbors? What is peace? Is it having a bunch of stuff we hope for, all a bunch of stuff for money, and that'll take care of everything? Is peace having stuff? Is peace getting rid of a certain situation? I don't know if we really know what peace is. For the Greeks, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you how certain people think, and I think in ways we think the same way. For the Greeks, for example, and I'm going to use the example of the Greeks because they're the ones in Christ's time. I know, oh, the Romans were running the place. Well, the Romans really didn't have any interest in developing thought and religions and stuff. All they wanted to do was build really fancy roads that everybody could travel on real easily from place to place so their armies could march around easily and mug people of color and all that kind of thing and take their money. That's all they wanted to do was have a way to channel all their taxes and so the army could go out, the taxes and things could come in. So they said, well, let's use that Greek stuff that they've been believing in and so they renamed all the Greek gods uh, into Roman names, but it's Greek thinking. And for the Greeks, peace was just not being at war. Because if you were at war, it wasn't like something far away like they happen to be for us today. It was on your threshold. It was at your city gates. And if they won, the, the invaders uh, outside your gates won, and overran your city, that was the last battle your city and people would ever fight. You'd be gone. And so that was just this always all-consuming fear of war that they were faced with. So peace was a time in between trying to save yourself your very existence. It's much like what Israel is today. If the nation of Israel loses one war, Israel's gone. That type of thing. For the Romans, peace was called the Pax Romana. That's Latin for peace of Rome. And what it was, one of the things was, if a soldier is out marching or out in the land and is murdered, for every one Roman soldier murdered, they would go, the Romans, into the local town, the closest village, round up 100 men and execute them to make the point that peace is what we say it is. That was the Romans' understanding of peace. So what do we have here? We have a system with the Romans that what I think creates peace. Peace is when people listen to me. 
People are, peace is when people do what I say they should do. And that can be probably applied to some people we see today. And that's the way peace was seen at Christ's time. And the other thing that we don't understand a lot of times is hope for the people of Christ's time. We, we talk about Pandora's box, and that's a Greek um, creation uh, myth. Uh, Pandora is the first woman, and Zeus, the, the king, the god, gave her a box full of all the evils to, be, to befall the earth and said, don't open it or you're going to bring all these evils on the earth. And of course, like any human, curious, right? Just have a look in there, and she opens up the lid, and all these evils come out into the world. It, it, vice and greed and adultery and murder and all these things come out into the world, and she slams it shut just in time so that the last thing left in the box is hope. At least we have hope. But realize this is a box of evils. And for the Greeks, one of the worst of all evils was hope. And that was what we were straddled and saddled with, was hope. Why? Because they felt that all the world was faded. Everything just happened and you didn't have any choice on the way things went. But if you gave people hope, these gods who were bored because they had nothing to do, you live for eternity, you drink, you drink wine, you eat ambrosia, you, eventually you get bored, they like to fool with us. They liked us to have hopes so that we would try to get our hopes up and then they could dash the hopes and wasn't that fun. And, but the, you still had hope so we could reuse this guy again and mess with him some more. That was their idea of what hope was. If you think, oh, if you ever had to read or did read the uh, Homer's Odyssey, if you, uh, um, you remember... Um, Odysseus coming back from, from the Trojan War. It takes him years to get back to his beloved Penelope. It's a journey that from shores of, of uh, Turkey over to Greece at a month at best. But you read all these stories of the gods messing with Odysseus as he's trying to get back. It takes years. This is the kind of thing they thought hope led to, was just making yourself available for the gods to disappoint you. That's what Jesus walked into. That's what the world looked like when he came in to, to the world. And then Paul writes this, because Paul is writing this to the Romans, right in the middle of this whole Roman system. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He came into a world that despised hope because of its fickleness, and he gave them a hope that is sound. He came in and gave them the truth that we could now not worry about being hopeful as it could destroy us, but we could have hope in what saves us. He gave them a peace because of this hope. He gave them a peace that was 
like it was meant to be from the beginning. The Jewish word shalom, peace is hard to explain in English, but for, for the Hebrews and for Jesus' understanding, shalom is complete well-being. The way you were meant to be. The way things around you can be seen and understood and appreciated. Have a right and proper way that we were created to be. At peace. And we could now have that hope. And funny thing, God's timing. He goes, sends Jesus into a world that has no hope and gives them hope. And he gives them missionaries, Paul, who can travel on, guess what? New roads built where it makes travel easy and the armies are there to protect you, makes it safe. And the word can spread and spread it does. In a matter of two decades, the faith went from just those 120 scared Believers in Jerusalem up in an upper room trying to hide from the Jews and exploded into the civilized world. Because people now had hope they could hold on to and believe. A hope that doesn't change, a hope that doesn't fail. And from that, a peace. Jesus met his disciples on the night of his resurrection, Easter evening, and he passed through the walls and in to be with them and said simply, peace be with you. I don't know about you or me, but if I walked in after what I went through on the cross and these guys had all hightailed it out of there, I'd walk in, you dummies, see, I told you. Where were you? Everything I did for the past three years and where, you know, you, you doubted me. Weren't there, but no. He walks in and simply says, Peace be with you. He was in another upper room just four days earlier where he went to the table. And that's where he instituted this hope, this peace, was so sure of our salvation that he instituted it before he went to the cross. It's like a last will and testimony that we have at the table. If you hear me, I said, uh, took this cup, gave thanks, gave it for all to drink, saying this cup is the new testament in my blood. I don't say covenant, I say testament. Number one, it's the way it was said for centuries. Number two, it's actually in the Greek exactly what it means. The will has been fulfilled. You are the heirs of the kingdom, and I give it to you through me, my body and my blood at this table. That you can be sure of. That you can put your hope in. That is what's true for you and for me. The risen Lord gives us hope. And from that hope, we can have the peace. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. We can have that because of what Christ did for us. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.
If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.